We all know you snooze through a few of your classes. Shane Norling has got you covered. All the college games you're watching. Auburn's going to win the football game! Auburn's going to win the football game! Plus the ones you didn't know you needed to care about. Can you believe what you just saw? Oh, he has trouble with the snap! Welcome to Snorling You. What's up? Welcome in Snorling You, the final edition of the college football season. we got a national championship game to talk about. TCU! I've been with you all season. If you listen to the very first edition, I told you, TCU, dark horse to win the Big 12. That didn't work out. Thank you, Kansas State. I'll go fuck myself. But they are in the national championship. So I was kind of right. TCU and Georgia. TCU a 12-point dog, 12-and-a-half, depending where you look. Total set at 63 time of taping, open to 62. And I have a special guest with me because I would have been bored talking about this game all by myself. Charlie, what's up? Hey, what's up, Shay? Thanks for having me. Of course, buddy. It's always fun hanging out with Charlie sometimes in the morning when he's helping out on Cap J. Hood. So thought I'd bring him in because he was here today. And I would have been bored talking about this myself. TCU plus 12 and a half taking on Georgia on Monday night, taping this on Friday. want to give you at least a weekend to get to it so that you have some time to digest. Uh, Charlie, any initial read? Well, this is the ultimate head versus heart game, right? Like, if you're looking to bet on this, because your head would tell you Georgia is so over, so overwhelmingly talented, but the heart tells you that this has been quite literally a fairy tale season for TCU. I mean, I've described it as a Disney movie on multiple shows now. Like, it's really hard if you're listening to your heart and just listening to the emotions of everything that's been going on to not believe in a little bit of the magic with TCU. You also came in heated and you told me essentially, fuck TCU. Yeah. You're going to bet against I'm them. I'm sick of them. Because you're tired I of them. I shouldn't say I'm sick of them, but I'm tired of like these bullshit ways they keep cover or they keep winning these games. I mean, I shouldn't say like I'm tired of them is wrong, but there is a part of me that's almost like an elitist mindset where I'm like, look, like, Georgia-Alabama is probably the right matchup. But you know what? Alabama didn't deserve it this year. You got to play the regular season games. So, look, I mean, it's it's really exciting because when you have this, when you have this talent sort of gap between these two, but you do have a quarterback that can make up for it with TCU has with Max Duggan, it's going to make for, I think, an interesting game. Like, I don't, I don't think we're predestined to have some sort of blowout like you might have thought at the beginning of the season. Well, here's the problem. Because TCU doesn't just have the quarterback, and he's not – incredible a lot of time i mean we saw in the michigan game at one point i believe 9 of 23 he was not a super accurate thrower in that game but he hangs around and then accurate in the red zone he's able to extend plays with his legs he does things that are kind of annoying if you're a defense Absolutely. what they have is the difference maker wide receiver quen johnston might be the best wide receiver in america yeah and not only that that is that is where georgia is weak you know we were all kind of waiting with bated breath to see if Keely Ringo in that Ohio State game was going to put together something that basically locks him into the first round. He had really struggled with Marvin Harrison Jr. And look, if you're going to find, like I said, if you're going to find a weak point within this Georgia defense, it's that secondary. They're basically flawless everywhere else. But if they can get Quentin Johnson loose, like that's, that's where you look to exploit Georgia. So you mentioned Ohio State, which is where I want to start this, because in my opinion, watching that game, if Marvin Harrison never gets hurt, Ohio State wins. I yes? agree. 
Oh, like Ohio State should have won that game. Georgia had no answer. They were for still Harris. able to move the football without Marvin Harrison mm-hmm. Jr. Uh, albeit less so, and Stroud had to use his legs more. But with Marvin Harrison Jr., they were beating that ass. Yes, they were, and it's it's also like they they were getting those chunk plays. Which if you're if you're gonna kind of hang with Georgia, you're gonna have to get some big plays over the top, and that's what they were able to do. So bringing it back to a betting perspective, this is where things are getting scary for me. If you look at the spread right now, this is from Pro Football Focus. Uh, Georgia minus 12.5. The tickets, 82% of them are on TCU. 91% of the money is on TCU. I think TCU plus 12.5 is the way to play this game. But how in the world do you just lock arms with planet Earth and go, yeah, TCU is the way to go here? I really don't know, and I think a lot of it is just buying into this idea that there's something about TCU, but you're right. Like, a lot of them, all the money's on TCU. The Sharps are on TCU. It's a weird line to me because 12 and a half's a lot, and especially in a national championship where you expect two teams to be relatively it's the largest equal. point spread since Ohio State was a 12-point dog in 2004? Yeah. I th- no, it might have been 03 when they played Miami. Ohio State was a 12-point dog. They won that game. Yes, they did. And, yeah, I, I, like, I, I genuinely, I've never known what to do with TCU this season because I've bet against them a few times now. and It hasn't worked out for me. But when you look at it, like, they have guys. I think what was so impressive to me about that win last week against Michigan is, like you said, they weren't just getting it done with Duggan. Like, they had two pick sixes. Their defense played really well. D. Winters on that defense. Uh, Michigan played horribly. I mean, we also have to talk about, like, J.J. McCarthy fumbled off his nut bag a couple times. Fumbling the final snap of the game away. The two pick sixes were horrific. Like, there is an argument also to be made where, look, Michigan played as badly as they could have. That was probably their worst game of the season. Easily. TCU got a ton of turnover, really luck. You get two pick sixes and a fumble recovery. You got a little bit of a fumble recovery. A a miraculous fumble. Yeah. On the miraculous fumble recovery. After you got basically bailed out with the call correct so that yes because it was i mean we all watched it that was a touchdown like i i hate michigan i'm glad that they lost that was a touchdown bail out dcu with the call there then you get the miracle fumble on the one yard line like there was a lot of luck that played into this and tcu still almost lost at the same time outside of the opening 50 yard run from donovan edwards what did michigan do on the ground mm-hmm. nothing nothing they couldn't and, and you, move and, the ball on the ground. And I don't think you can chalk that up to just they were missing Blake Corum. Like, Donovan Edwards is a very good running back. Donovan Edwards, if you ask me, is he might the be better, better of yeah, the two. Exactly. Yeah, you, you mentioned something, too, like uh, about kind of needing luck. Hasn't been sort of the story for TCU all season. Just, like, you look at the, the fire drill field goal, never seen anything like that. Like, they've, need, they've had these crazy come against from behind Baylor. wins against Baylor. They were really close against Kansas. It's probably another game they should have lost. You know, sometimes it's like maybe this team's just lucky. I remember that um, that uh, they remind me a little bit of that Auburn team that lost to Florida State. That was just complete. That was the, the, that was the kick the, six, uh, immaculate reception. The immaculate. They had those two plays. They remind me a little bit of that. That team was probably more talented than this TCU team. But was it? I mean, that's so. Here's the thing that I want to bring up because everybody keeps talking this TCU team. It's it's like they aren't 
fit to make sandwiches. Like, they're not talented at they all. They have the best receiver in the country. I don't think that that's true. They sit in this three three five, and everybody goes, well, you can run on this three three five. They don't do a lot of adjustments pre-snap defensively. They're not going to throw exotic stuff at you. They're just going to kind of sit in, the, a little like Iowa State, if you watch Big 12 football. They're just going to sit in this three three five defense and... Just execute to perfection. The thing is, like, they take some angles. They They do things where... Michigan, maybe the best running attack, certainly the best offensive line. They in won America, the award. Could not move the ball on the ground. And I don't want to hear about JJ McCarthy scrambles. We all watch the Bears. Justin Fields scrambles are passing plays. Mm-hmm. Those aren't rushing plays. If you drop back and you see they rushed five and the fifth got picked up and all the DBs have their backs to you, that's a ru- that's a passing play. That's not like we're gonna line up and run the ball. Georgia likes to do a lot of that stuff. Yes. Yeah, and I you know, I said that as, as kind of a joke, but I, I did sort of mean it when I said, like, oh, I didn't realize Stetson Bennett was Johnny Manziel. He doesn't have, like, the same creativity as a runner, but... He's sneaky athletic. He's, I don't even know if it's... Like, he's a really good athlete, and he's small, but he creates a lot of plays with his legs. And like you said, those 10-yard scampers that those quarterbacks do, those are pass plays. Like, I, I think that is that is a very um, helpful way of looking at those kinds of plays if you're evaluating the way an offense moves the ball. This is where I wonder if I'm out to lunch a little bit, because we haven't talked enough about Georgia yet. This is not the Georgia of old. I heard on my way in this morning, uh, it was Kirby Smart talking about how he loved last year's team. Last year's team was the best team he's ever had, and it was so incredibly talented. It was his favorite team he'd ever coached. And then he said this year's team happened, and he loves it so much more. And the reason he loves it more is because it's way less talented. Isn't that a Saban thing? Like, like Saban will do that sometimes. Where he had that uh, that Mac Jones team with all those receivers. I'm there's been other teams where it's like that's the best team in the next year. He's like, like that's when he starts getting emotional after games. Mac Jones team with all the receivers is a great example because that to me is kind of. And I'm not saying TCU is that good, but that's what TCU reminds me of a little bit is that version of Alabama where you have Mac Jones and difference maker Devontae Smith and you just abuse that mismatch to the point Georgia can't keep up with you. And you but they, they, don't have the, they don't have the secondary receivers the way Alabama, that Alabama team did. Like the, yeah, it, but it wasn't – like I, and I understand it's the same thing. Like last year it didn't work for Alabama with uh, Jamison Williams, but it would have worked for Ohio State with Stroud and Marvin Harrison. I mean, Jr. it worked for them in the SEC championship. Correct. In the SEC yeah. championship a year ago leaning on – uh, Jamison Williams and Bryce Young, that worked. So that's been the Achilles heel that hasn't really changed for Georgia. I mean, they did enough with uh, Hyatt, but they haven't had a shutdown corner, I think probably since Kirby's been there, like a true. The secondary's been a struggle point. Yeah. And I think when you look around, like this isn't the five NFL guys on the offensive line that we've mm-hmm. seen in the past with Georgia. This isn't Nick Chubb or Todd Gurley in the backfield. This is kind of a lesser Georgia, and it's still the best team in the country. I'm not trying to downplay them at all, but if there were any year for TCU to pull this off, like, does TCU have a chance to win the game would be the way I would ask I, Yes. When you have, a, when you have a, a difference maker quarterback and a difference maker receiver to the extent that TCU does, you have a chance against almost anybody. And with Georgia, they're not – am I wrong? They're not great. They're good. They're not great. There's I mean, no great team. Yeah, they're not – yeah, that that's the thing. Is this like 
This was the chaos year in college. Football. Yeah, there was no team without flaw the way we've seen in years past with Alabama and Clemson and that one Ohio State team. Like this is, this is a merely like very like an a very awesome team in comparison to the rest of college football. But you're right. Like this is a team that you can move the ball against in the air. They don't have that, you know, offensive line that's just littered with future NFL players. They don't have. That's one thing about Georgia. Their their current running back McIntosh, he's a good player. He's, just he's not Nick Chubb, and like he's not Sony Michelle. He's is, not any of those guys. Is Lad McConkey really their best receiver? He probably. Well, I mean, it's probably Brock Bowers. Like if if you want to look at it, pass catchers wise. Speaking of the tight ends, they might be missing one in Washington. Washington. Yeah, yeah, and that that's a th- like I, I still think Brock Bowers is such an electrifying tight end, and he's probably other than Quentin Johnson the best pass catcher in this game. So we'll see what TCU can do to match up with that. But, like, you know, a 3-3-5, it's kind of built to contain a tight end of, of Brock Bauer's caliber. And the way that they play it, where they just kind of they'll take the angles, they do the things that they need to do to stop the run and to negate yes. the run. Yeah, like I said, but they, they execute also, very well. They're just going to sit in that defense, and you just got to beat them. And they really do have good players on that side of the ball. Like, like I mentioned a minute ago, if people talk about this TCU team, and just on paper – is they aren't talented enough. They shouldn't be here. They should have lost to Michigan. They lost the Big 12 title. They really should have lost twice to Kansas State. They should have lost to Baylor. They should have lost to Kansas. They should have lost. They didn't lose. Yeah, guess what? They're here. They're here. Why else do we play the games? Why else do we play the regular season games? So the other thing is this total, 62.5, depending where you look. I saw 63 some places, open to 62. So it's being bet north. But if you look at this, 89% of the cash and 89% of the tickets on the over. is That's a lot of points in a, in a game in which the Georgia defense is playing. Right, that's the fear. But like, Remember the SEC title when Georgia, yes. the game was never close, but it was 50 to 30? Mm-hmm. Is that what we're going to end up watching? I think that's actually the most likely outcome based on you know everything we've talked about. Like, This is a game where... It's generally in shouting distance, but you're never fully worried that Georgia's going to slip up and let this one get away. And yeah, like a 40 to 20, like you said, 50 to 30, 45, 30, that kind of game. I do think that that's likely because Georgia can, Georgia can, what, what Georgia can do that Michigan was unable to do is they can give themselves a short field. Like they can make those stops that Michigan was just unable to do. When you have a guy like Jalen Carter, I know everybody's kind of disappointed the way Jalen Carter played. He's horrible. I mean, he Ohio was, State. He was on not on the field. But if you're, yeah, that's right. And he came off like weirdly frequently. But in the plays that he was on, you can see the the offensive but line that, he always their comes up. I, I think he's only played. It's a little like bit like Jordan Davis was forty eight percent of the snaps. He doesn't yeah. play a lot. Yeah, but when he was on the field, you can see just the attention that that he garners and. Again, like this is a fairly beat up Georgia team because they haven't had Nolan Smith since the middle of the season. So where else is that pass rush going to come from if it's not going to come from Jalen Carter? I do think that they just have the general guys to slow down TCU and, like I said, give themselves a short field. And I think that would that's what would kind of lead us to that overhead. The other side of that, though, is TCU is a never say die team. Mm-hmm. Like they're not going to. If it's forty, Disney movie, man. If it's forty-one seventeen or like forty-one twenty-four in the fourth quarter, they're going to score, and like they don't care. Like, yeah, you're going to lose a game, but they don't care. They're going to score. They're going to score touchdowns in the final quarter. So I kind of feel like the over well, is the play. I'm just scared. Like Planet Earth on the over. Yeah. Maybe I just go contrarian. 
And all right, so full disclosure, I'm holding a national championship future, which I told you yes. about uh, on TCU. So that pays a hundred to one. The way I'm looking at this is I can never do Georgia Moneyline, minus 480, but maybe I just go contrarian. Earth's on TCU in the over. Maybe I just do Georgia and the under, and that's my hedge. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the what I've always done, and honestly, it hasn't worked super well for me, is just if all the money's on one side and all the bets are on the other, take whatever side the money's on. In this case, the money and the and the total number of bets are on the same side. So, yeah, I mean, you're either, I, I, I think because of that, you either got to – you got to fade both sides or the other. So the other thing with this on, with the total is if this goes under 62 and we play a game in the 20s, there's no chance TCU can win. Right, because that, that just means Georgia's been... I mean, a game that's played the in the 20s the is like Georgia's choking them out. And yeah, it's exactly. 28 to 7 or something. Yeah, it's like a slow cook. Yeah. Um, all right, so you want to make a pick? I think I'm going to make an official play. Now, I'm not going to bet this because... I already told you I have the TCU outright, um, but I do think realistically TCU is the only side you can bet here. I think all season we've kind of seen the time for TCU to just die is now, and they just don't. They like Maybe they don't win this game, but it, against Kansas State in the Big 12 title, it felt like that's the moment where it's all over for you. Like It just is what it is. Yeah. It was a nice run, and they just refused to go away. Max Duggan injured, forcing himself, willing his team into it to score touchdowns. So I don't know that they're going to get blown out. I don't think that it's a team that's going to lose by multiple scores. So I think I would play TCU plus 12 and a half. I think the way Michigan lost that game or TCU won that game, however you want to phrase it, I think the way that happened is not the kind of way that Georgia would lose a game. When, they, when Georgia's keeping it close, you know, when they're in that weird Kent State game or whatever it was in Missouri, it's not because they're turning the football over. They're not making these, you know, huge mistakes that lead to immediate points to their team the way Michigan would. They're not having these big ch- – they're, kind of, they're just kind of sleepwalking through it. They don't make mistakes, I think, the way Michigan did last week. And I know Stetson Bennett really struggled for the first half of that first game. I just kind of feel like this is a time when they lock in and say mistake-free football is how we win this. Yeah, as much and as I think that's that the talent disparity is such that mistake-free football for Georgia is enough to win by thirteen. And one of my fears with this too is like everybody points to Georgia struggling with Missouri. Everybody looks at that Kent State game from earlier in the season. The one that stands out to me is big moment. At home, number one team in the country, yep. Tennessee, coming into town. I think that completely erases those previous. And games. you put your throat, or you put your boot on on Hyatt's throat, and you just said, "Hooker Hyatt, it's not going to beat us. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do." That was really, and even with that's the team, right? Like that's what we've just been talking about: is you have the quarterback, you have the wide receiver, you have a chance to beat Georgia, and Georgia just stomped them out. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you could argue that. You know, that that's what Ohio State had last week. And Georgia still figured out a way to win it. And again, the quarterback it, I know Harrison got hurt, but it's not like Ohio State doesn't have just dude after dude beside, behind sure. Harrison. But that's, again, like, this is so difficult for me because I feel like even there are times where I look at this and I go, maybe Georgia is the right side. But can't you argue that Michigan-Ohio State really should have been the national title? Like, can't you argue neither of these teams belong here? And when you feel like that, can there really be that big of a gap 
I mean, they right. told us that TCU was a seven-point dog against Michigan, seven and a half, eight, whatever you got it at. I got it at seven and a half. They went outright. I mean, they just – and not only did they went outright, as much as, like, Michigan did make critical mistakes, TCU was up 14 nothing, And TCU then went up uh, a giant – I can't remember the exact score, but they got to the 41, and they were up multiple scores. And then Michigan made it close again. But as soon as Michigan got it, 41-38, TCU choked them out again. Yeah. And just we're putting the distance and then foot off the gas. I think that was that was a really impressive part of that win, too. They took the punch exactly. and they punched back. Exactly. And teams that do that are teams that can win championships. So I think throwing out the idea of just how talented is TCU against Georgia, it's they're here. We've learned that doesn't matter for TCU. They don't care about that. Mm-hmm. You can tell them that they don't have talent. They don't care. They're going to go out and probably have a good chance to win this game. So, honestly, I think the TCU plus 12.5, and, and if you go with the TCU, the only way this game gets kept close, really, is if that total goes over. So I kind of see where everybody's at. But if you're the sports book, you're in a really good position needing Georgia to win over TCU. Right. The sports book is in a very good position. Yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of where I lean. It's like it's... It's very. I would say it's easier for me to close my eyes and imagine Georgia winning this by twelve and a half than TCU pulling off some miracle. And as maybe as unfair as that is, because we've seen TCU do it, I just can't get that Georgia Tennessee game out of my head. Where I think those teams, uh, TCU and Tennessee, are kind of built a little similarly as we talk about with the receiver and quarterback. Like Hooker and Hyatt was probably the best connection in college football other than Duggan and Johnston and Georgia just completely erased that uh quickly as we say goodbye to college football what moment from this season sticks with you the most because I have one and I want to know yours you know uh probably that Tennessee field goal I mean I, I remember I was in Scottsdale Arizona and uh yeah I remember watching and just that was the sloppiest I'd seen Alabama play and they still almost won. Like that to me said a lot about Alabama. That was the worst and it was so dramatic. performance I exactly. think I've ever seen from Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. That Completely still agree. remains the I think the worst coach. Just weird decisions throughout that game. Uh, I, I I think it's that because it was it was such a moment in Knoxville too. Like that's the most relevant Knoxville uh, Tennessee football has been since since that championship. So I, I would say that the one that stands out to me. And if you're a listener of this podcast, you will understand. Uh, because I was irate that day, is I'm still so angry about Matt Campbell and Iowa State against Kansas, rocking with a freshman kicker three fucking times. And you've got fourth down and the length of my penis, and you go with a freshman kicker who's already missed twice to go for the game winner. I wanted Matt Campbell to coach the Get the first down! (laughs) And then... Then you see shit like that, and it's like, I know Iowa State's impossible to win at, but if you're going to be one of these top coaches, you can't make decisions like that. Lord knows if you've listened to this podcast, I had plenty of bad beats this year. That was probably the one that burned me the most because it was the one where I looked at it and just said, you won the game. You got the red zone turnover, but then you threw a pick out of your own red zone. Then you turned it over in an opposing red zone. Then you ran a freshman kicker out three times to miss three times. And then on the final fucking play, fourth down and literally an inch or two. Not great. Not great, Bob. 
That one sticks with me. I just like how it went complete opposite directions. You went like I went with this like Cinderella. Yeah, this magical moment. You were like I went with the time I was the angriest I've been this season. I will tell you, LSU winning outright uh, against Alabama at night and just putting the stake through Alabama's season. Sorry to Adam Abdallah. Uh, That was a wonderful moment for me. Um, In terms of like really cool moments, I can't think of any. Maybe because like Utah winning over USC in the game in Salt Lake was a really cool game. Utah coming back and then right. winning on the two-point conversion. But I had Utah minus two. <laughs> did you have them in the, in the Pac-12 championship? I did, yeah. Uh, they redeemed you. They sure did. Yeah. That was a good time. Thanks for joining me, Charlie. Good Thank luck you. to you in the national title. For me, I think it's TCU in the over. Do what you want to do. I've been terrible this season. But, hey, I did have Michigan and I did have Ohio State to cover in the playoff games. So doing you. okay so You're far. sharp over there. I'm going to get this national championship. I hope TCU wins. You won't see me for a week. I'm taking some time off. (laughs)